0: Before I share this episode today, which I am so proud of and cannot wait for you to hear this extraordinary artist, I just wanted to take a minute to thank those of you who have continuously supported this podcast by making a donation. Your monthly donations have made it possible for me to continue to do this during this unprecedented time. And for those of you who would like to donate, no donation is too large or too small. Seriously. A dollar a month. If everyone listening just spent $1 a month on this podcast, it would make such a huge difference in my ability to continue to make this show for you week after week. If you are interested in donating, go to littleknownfactspodcast.com and you'll see a donations page and it explains how to do it. It's pretty easy. It's just one click. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And here is Sasha Hutchings little-known fact about my guest today, she will forever be a part of the legacy that is Hamilton the musical, but how she was cast in this show is a testament to what it is to truly believe in yourself, the ability to manifest your dreams with hard work, discipline, joy, and a generous heart. Welcome the extraordinary Sasha Hutchings to the podcast. A O K. Welcome, Sasha Hutchings, to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Thank you. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: Uh, It is my pleasure. For people listening, um, Sasha has been in six Broadway shows. I'm going to try to list them in order and correct me if I'm wrong, but Memphis, Motown, Rocky, Hamilton, My Fair Lady, Oklahoma.
1: You nailed it. Nailed it. I nailed it. Awesome.
0: <laughs> um and I hope to get to uh all of them or whichever ones, you know, feel special to your heart today as we are speaking. Mm. But I wanted to start if you don't mind because in kind of listening to you, I mm. I I have loved you as a performer and I have seen all of those shows, so I've had the luxury and pleasure of observing you as a performer and falling you in, in love with you that way. But I also got to know you more personally, watching the Instagram lives that you were doing with Nick Walker um, that have now turned into your own show, Chaos Twins. Um, so you're so good at doing what I am doing right now. I am slightly um, intimidated Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Um, But something I have learned is how much like where you grew up in Georgia um, has been a part of your life and sort of the beginning of your artistic life. And so were you born in Macon or did you move there? Or tell me sort of your beginnings and, and where you grew up and how the arts came into your life
1: born and raised in Macon, Georgia, definitely. um was born there. I lived in Georgia my whole life. I spent a little time in Fayetteville, Georgia, which is just a little bit like an hour south of Atlanta, um, or not sorry, Macon is an hour south of Atlanta, Fayetteville is a suburb of Atlanta, but you mm-hmm. get the gist. I've lived in Georgia my whole life, and um, Georgia, Macon specifically is actually a um, very well known for its music scene. Um, it's home to Little Richard, home to Otis Redding, home to the Allman Brothers Band. So, we've, we, I kind of grew up with, um, a lot of music and a lot of, um, we have a lot of arts programming down there, a very lively community theater, uh, sort of community. And then, um, I specifically grew up dancing. Um, and I think it's just, you know, what happens when you have a little girl in the South, you put her in dance lessons when she's Uh two or three. And, uh, my mom followed suit and I just, Never stopped. I just loved it. I loved dance. It became sort of a staple of my life. I never questioned, you know, whether or not we were going back to dance. Um, I can't say the same for my younger sister. She promptly let my mother know that she was not a fan of dance classes. And um, that was in the form of throwing a temper tantrum on the floor each week at dance class. Got it. Yeah, so she made her wishes very clear that not only was she not going back the next year, but she did not wish to finish the current dance lessons that she was in.
0: You're like, that's okay. I'll take her classes too.
1: Yeah, I was like, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I love this. This is great. Like, what's the problem? Um,
0: But yeah, I've I've just
1: really – I danced my whole life. And I really – it just – was a thing that you know was always in my life like I said and I never stopped and I really enjoyed it. I was a competition dancer, but I really really didn't get into musicals until college. Um my studio director in Macon, Georgia, um has who has since passed, but Pam Malarczyk, she um at Dance Dynamics in Macon, Georgia, um, she gave me a brochure on a school in Oklahoma City. And, um, you know, she just she basically said, like, this is the school for you. This is the direction you're headed. She sort of pushed me into really seeing myself as um Having the potential to be a professional performer, um a professional dancer. And so that sort of was my uh, i guess like sort of doorway into more musicals and musical theater um and dance geared towards musical theater rather than like ballet and and um you know contemporary, which I wasn't really keen on. So I wasn't really looking at a career in music and, and sort of the full spectrum of theater until college. Um, and I fell in love immediately. Um, I think I auditioned for like Summerstock and was sold. I think my first show was um, The Sound of Music. <laughs> it was like a postulate, like a young nun. Um, but I, I loved the world. But it really and truly, yes, in Macon, started with me in a dance lesson. Um, and I just stayed in there, never stopped, and really, really have enjoyed um, telling stories through. Art and started with dance.
0: When did you discover that you could also sing? College and by necessity.
1: Um, <laughs> I was, we were. I was in college in Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City University, and um, there are several like regional theaters um, in the Midwest, but one specifically that was six blocks from the college, um, Lyric Theater of Oklahoma, and I had a lot of friends. You know, I'd made friends that year in school, and it come. By the spring, it was time to start auditioning for what's called Summer Stock. Um, a lot of regional theaters will do, you know, show after show after show. They'll do, like, five or six shows in a, in a summer. And the shows will run anywhere from, like, two weeks to, you know, uh, three days sometimes, just depending on right. the schedule of the theater. And you have, like, two weeks to rehearse it. Like, it's just super fast-paced and, and very fun. And very in the community usually is very supportive and gets really involved. So there was a theater like that in Oklahoma. And um, all my friends were auditioning, everyone in the dance school, everyone in the theater school, it was time to audition. And I had no idea what that meant. And um, (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll go. And they were like, you have to go. And I think I had had some friends who um encouraged me to start taking voice lessons and to get you know some songs that I might be able to sing into my book but all of this was incredibly new to me i think i'd had maybe 6 or 7 weeks of voice lessons and i think i had two songs and i had another friend of mine who had done some theater and she was sort of kind of Coaching me on just how to walk in and be confident and sing, yeah, and and not really. But you know, she she was giving me. She was like, "You just, you sound good. Just go for it. Just sing
0: louder. Just, just really belt it out, and just
1: go." And and do you remember
0: (laughs) what they like? What the songs were?
1: Uh, yes, they were high. They were incredibly inappropriate for the season that I was auditioning. For the season for which I was auditioning,
0: the season for which
1: I was auditioning included, um, let's see, Sound of Music. Like I said, I think Swing, which was a dance show, so I was kind of okay there. And yeah. then the third show that I was auditioning for was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. So if you think you know Sound of Music, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, you're going to want something a little more legit, a little more traditional, a little, little more friendly, a little more typically musical theater, bright, you know. I had two songs I had, and the one I felt the most confident in was No One Knows Who I Am from Jekyll and Hyde. Now, I don't know if anyone knows that song, but it is dark, and it is simple, and it is not uh, in the stylings of, uh, you know, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers at all, and that that was the song I had, and I went with it, and I said, you know what, we got to give it to him, Sash So. <laughs> Let's just go in there and give it our best, and I did. And the artistic director was—he said, "Yeah, okay, great, um, guy, great voice. Uh, can, do you have anything, you know, maybe a a little higher happy. or yeah, like a little,
0: just like trying
1: to get me, nudge me." And I think yes. I had "Embraceable You," which again, yes, like more along the lines of something. Oh, I love was, that, bop. <laughs> totally, you know, just a little bit more appropriate. But I didn't feel as confident in it. I was so right. used singing, and I felt right. like you know, typically, especially as a dancer, like. You 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 feel a little bit more comfortable singing things in your body in your chest than you do in your head. Um, I think, you know, it has nothing to do with range. I think it has to do with what you're in tune with. And Mm -hmm. so as a dancer, you're very in tune with your body. And so when something's being supported there and resonating there, like you're like, okay, I can, I know what that is. When you get into the head, I'm like, I mean, beyond like, you know, connecting my face to the story, I I don't know what's happening up here. So (laughs) at that point, that's where, that's where I was. I sang that song um, and I ended up, I think I I got kept to read for a side, and that was like the third, you know, the final round, and it was all happening in one night, and I had to ask a friend, I said, what do they mean, read? Like, what do they want me to, what are you reading? And she was like, just like a side, like, they're going to give you a scene, and I said, yeah, but, and she was like, literally, just read the words on the page, and I was like, okay, and I went in for it, and I ended up booking the job. I got, uh, you know, a gig. It was my first professional job. Musical theater. I learned so much that summer. Um, it was a very fast learning curve, and I, yeah. I worked there. I think every summer um, during college, and there's still. It's such a like beginning and beginning family for me, and I love the theater out there. And so it was. It was very fun. But that was that was where I started to learn to sing, and I kind of was like, oh, this is what it is, and this is what it means to read sheet music, and this is what it means to like learn your harmony, and I, just from there, like really.
0: Really well, did you yeah. learn how to read music and sight read when you were in college? Oh God, no, 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 no. Okay, no, no. Um, okay.
1: I, I think other than I had, you know, I've had voice lessons. I and I still st- take voice, and it was much more geared towards, like, I did nothing close to music theory. Um, I think it could help me, but I, I still, to this day, I think that my my voice teach my current voice teacher's nightmare is when I stand next to him and try to sight read a thing. He's just like, Sash, we just, I'm going to play this out and
0: you go learn it and you come back. Um, right. so, so you I'm, get your, your phone out when they're teaching the song and you record it and then you yeah. listen to it definitely
1: it's much easier I'm, I'm much easier by ear if you play something and hear it or finding myself within a chord or finding myself within harmonies like in that in that area I'm very strong but as far as like looking at a piece of music and sort of knowing the intervals um it's definitely something that you know we're always learning and I should still be working at because it's super helpful in those fast-paced like learning environments yeah
0: yeah yeah um
1: but you know some of the I mean you'd be surprised some of the best Broadway singers some of the best singers you know they that's just not a skill I think it's a specific skill. And you probably have some people who could sight read anything, but maybe you don't want to hear them sing it.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I definitely want to hear you sing all the things. I hope so. So how did you get from, okay, wait, actually, before I get Oklahoma to New York, tell me about your family. I know your sister was anti-dance from a very young age. Yes. Um, I hope and pray, and I'm sure she has found her passion and her path. Yes, she actually uh, lives here in New York City, which I love. We live
1: about a 15, 10, 15-minute 15 walk from each other, both in Harlem, and she uh, actually works for Public Health Solutions here in New York City. So it's a public health company, and she does a lot of data analysis and management, and sort of makes sure that health supplies get to where they need to go, particularly within the um, HIV/AIDS like needs and treatment plans
0: and, oh, wow. and things like that.
1: Yeah. So. Wow. Um, yeah. But
0: all hail your sister and the kind <laughs> of work she's doing. Were there? Um, was there a lot of music playing? Obviously, your mom encouraged you, and I saw a really beautiful picture of your grandma reading to you on your Instagram celebrating Mother's Day. So I know that you had a connection with your grandmother.
1: Yes, definitely. Both my grandmothers, um, um, my mother's mother, and uh, who's no longer with us, Jeanette Woods, and um, my father's mother, Betty Hutchings. Yeah, education was incredibly important and is incredibly important in my family. Um, And I think that's also just something true of the Black community that um, you know you see it. Education, getting an education, was always a way. It was like this is something that is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. It is something that you will succeed in. And I i mean, I, w- I think I was sort of keen on it from a very young age. I wanted to read. I wanted to know things. I was always asking questions. I think I was one of the first. I wanted to read. I would just like open the books and make up stories. Like I would just make up stories and people would think I was reading. And my grandmother would look right. at me and be like, no, she's not reading anything. Like she's
0: making up stories according to the
1: pictures. But my grandmother, uh, on my mother's side, yeah. But you did it with
0: such confidence.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, I have been quite the performer since I was younger. Um, But my grandmother, on my mother's side, is actually a librarian. She was a a a media specialist, Um, and so she always had books. There were always books and really fun children's books, and she would always read to me and read to my um, my younger sister. And um, like I said, education was just as important to both sides of my family from a very young age. Um, my, I think on my mother's side, my grandfather, her father, uh, like basically put my grandmother through graduate school and then put all five of his children and then becoming like the first generation to have been put all put through um, college and um just it's you know it's so valuable and it's just this thing that once you have it like no one can take it away from you they can't take away what you've learned and um even for me knowing when I you know decided I wanted to go into dance it was college it wasn't you know to just move to New York City um and I needed college but I always wanted to go I love I loved school I um yeah I had such a I love learning I I think I ended up either doing a history minor or doing or graduating with honors like I just I've always loved academia I a part of me like feels like I you know if I wasn't a performer I just want to go like be buried in some research somewhere and coming up yeah. with all kinds of theories about why people are the way they are and why the world works the way that it does.
0: So when you told your family that you wanted to go to university and and study dance were they encouraging of it were they um, nervous for you what was their reaction to it?
1: So we always talked about it. I think they always knew and recognized that, one, this was something that was very important to me and that I lit up on stage. And I I did so since I was very young. Um, Mm. And then I think after that, they recognized that I was very good and very skilled. And that, you know, even when one of the great things about going to competitions or, or intensives or anything is that when you go, you're exposed to other people from other places. And if you want to do anything professionally, you got to figure out sort of where you stand, especially if you're entering into, you know, a highly competitive field. Um, And so I think the more that I was able to compete and do well, and sort of shine in that way, that they understood, you know, okay, well, she has what it takes to at least begin this. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the school, I will say that I ended up going to, I think going to colleges made them feel like, well, she's in school, she's in college, she has the option of a business minor, or she has the option, you know, to switch, like, it's not like she's just going off to New York or some city to live, you know, she's going into a controlled and learning environment, right, and taking other classes, and, and then my sister said this thing to me, which, um, like, maybe not even a year ago, like, a couple months ago, uh, because people ask this question all the time, um, And she said, I said, yeah, I was like, you know, everyone was always so supportive of me. And I never felt like, you know, anyone in the family was thinking, oh, she wants to go be a dancer. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, it's time to get a real job. No one ever said that. And my sister said to me, she was like, well, you were really smart. And it's like, if it didn't work out, it wasn't like you couldn't do anything else.
0: (laughs) Exactly. They had great faith that you would be resourceful and When you think back to sort of the ways in which I find it fascinating young people who are really disciplined in mm. in a certain way whether they're athletes or or dancers um and and this thing of like it's not their parents making them practice or making them do it it's really self-motivated yeah. in that way um and is that something you were just born with this passion and desire to do it and also to win at it?
1: Yeah, I mean I'm sure my therapist would have a lot to say about like <laughs> well, all the underlying
0: I desires. I will be interviewing your therapist next.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um but I I do it is something that you know and I think back and I I was always incredibly motivated as a child to succeed both in academics and in dance. It's why I didn't really decide that I wanted to dance until, um, you know, until I was actually applying for colleges until it was like, well, if you want to do this, you're going to have to go to this audition on this date. So you better, you know, put it to get it together and decide. Yeah. So I just, um, yeah, I've always been like I said I would I would make up the stories to the books and then I think they bought me hooked on phonics and I would try to teach myself to read and get really frustrated when I couldn't do it. I was the first kid in my kindergarten class to be able to read. and mm. um I just always always I was reading books like they had these like um, books that you could buy your kids it was a series and it was like things every first grader should know things every second grader should know things every and it was like you're supposed to read it or go through it with your child before they got to the first grade or as they went through the first grade I went through that whole book I saw that book and I was like excuse me I have some reading to get to <laughs> and I buried my head in that book and I went to first grade and like on the first or second day I was asking my teacher about the Boston Tea Party I was like right. when are we going to is this going to be yeah, included when are we getting in the curriculum exactly I have so- some questions about the curriculum this year so I just yeah I kind of um I've always had a lot to say I've always like I mean there are stories of me running up to the front of the church and grabbing the microphone and trying to you know like say the benediction or something just like truly always out there always wanted to know what it was like to, very curious very yeah. ambitious um and I just had parents who no matter what they understood about it or didn't understand about it made it a point to make everything as accessible to me as possible. If I wanted to try it, if I was interested in it, they would find the camp, they would find the class, they would Amazing. find the book. They would just yeah. like make sure that I had at least the information to, you know, see what's what's stuck. And then they would always, again, like, you know, I was always supported in dance. They always found a way to make things happen. And I really think it just, that investment in me is, is also, you need that. You need that the, the pathways, you can be as curious and as committed as you want to be, but if you don't have access to something, then you can't do anything with that.
0: Right. So how did you get from Oklahoma to New York?
1: It was the place to be. It was the place to be, honey. We had to come. We had to to make the move. I mean, yeah, I, I. Did you do uh, it with
0: college friends? Yeah. So I have, I
1: still have like my best, my group of best friends here is they're all from Oklahoma City University. We all went to school together. None of them perform, um, but we all Mm -hmm. started out taking like ballet and and performing together. And some of them, we also had a program in Oklahoma that um, sort of led into business management and sort of like geared towards arts. And so I have a lot of friends who work in like for the Met and work in nonprofit. And then some who have even gone on to work in wealth management and finance. So Um, And advertising and you know I have a friend who does like artwork for um, like Broadway shows like uh, The Inheritance a lot of that artwork is his and it's so funny I think that's
0: I always put that playbill on the top of my pile because I think it's so beautiful.
1: Oh, Robert
0: Pestatnik.
1: Pistot- Robert he is one of my best friends. and Wow, that is like I look at it first. every day. That's so
0: <laughs> funny. Even though, you know, I saw many shows after, mm-hmm. Um, I would always just put it back to the top of the pile. So, oh, so bravo, fun. Robert. Yeah. You should be. He's so talented. Interesting.
1: know so, yeah, we all started out dancing out in the middle of Oklahoma.
0: Wow. So, you get here and do you live together? Do you get an apartment together? How do you even... Yeah. yeah,
1: I remember having panic attacks about this in my um, dorm room in Oklahoma. <laughs> about yeah. what does it mean to move to New York? Now, uh, the alumni of Oklahoma City University. One thing that really, really helped me was there is a program called OCU NYC, and it was a spring break program, or mainly a spring break program. It also facilitates a lot of alumni events and sort of networking. But yeah every spring break osu spring break they would organize free classes and all you had to do was get your plane ticket to new york and they would also organize um like basically couches for you to sleep on or if somebody was subletting their apartment or if we knew of places and they would organize where you could stay and so you would show up in new york get your plane ticket show up in new york get to wherever you know whoever's apartment was letting you either take over their bed or their couch or wherever and then you had your schedule and people would teach you, like, this is how you get on the subway. This is where you're wow. taking class. You're taking class at Pearl Studios. It would be at studios that, you know, would later be where I would be auditioning. Right. So I just really got to know the city in a very um, real way of, like, taking class and reporting to different studios and taking the subway and figuring out how to do all of that stuff. And it would be like a four – it was like a four-day um, workshop sort of uh, event but I would learn so much over those like four days of just the rhythm of the city and the pace and the spirit of it. And I always loved, I've always loved New York. I made trips in high school and again in college. And it just like, it was always the place that I was going to go. I, you know, didn't really want to go to start in LA. I just love New York that like, I think you can get anywhere. You can get a lot of places with a headshot and a resume. You can really what was the first places.
0: Broadway show that you saw?
1: Oh gosh. The very first, I think it was Fosse. It was a uh-huh. lot young. I think How that was- ironic.
0: And then yeah. you're in Fosse <laughs> Verdon, by the way. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. You were so uh, in the big spender dance yeah. number. Sasha is featured front and center and is so yeah. magnificent. And, and once again, you know, Tommy Kale at <laughs> Tommy the helm.
1: Hale, I know he's so great at capturing theater on film. Um, and just yes. a, a story on film, because even with that, that was like a shot within a shot. Like it was, you know, as if we were on set filming the thing. And I did, I stood and I was uh, the, Paula Kelly, Paula's character. Um, incredible. In, yeah. In Sweet Charity. It was, it was amazing. That production was incredible. And I mean, I, I I know every dancer says this, but Fosse is just that the jazz, American jazz, I think it was one of the things that I love so much about my education at Oklahoma City University was just the immersion in American jazz. And I think there's so mm. much story there. And I just love the art form. And so getting to do, be a part of that series and that um, process Um because even like the the process of learning it, we were learning with like legends who had worked alongside Fosse. So it was just such an incredible um, experience.
0: And it's on celluloid forever, right? <laughs> like we get yeah. to see that forever. Yeah. Um, we, we have to get to, I mean, somehow you took that four day workshop and then, you end up in Memphis on Broadway, right? Yes. Like, like it happens. You're one of the people that it happens for. Mm-hmm. And you work your way through uh, th- these ensemble roles in these incredible musicals that are so meaningful on so many levels. And and then you find yourself in Hamilton, Mm-hmm. So how long after you got to New York, did you get cast in like whatever the first workshop was or, or like your first day on Hamilton?
1: Oh my gosh. So yeah, we started that first workshop, I think it was, it was 2000, it was spring of 2014. So I had been in the city for, uh, oof, let's see, I moved in 2011, so maybe three years Right. Like you understand
0: that's very fast, right? As I just said that, I was like, oh my God, is that
1: so, how is that even possible? Right.
0: But you did. So how did you find yourself in a room (laughs) auditioning for this thing that no one knew what it was at the time? Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Because it will forever be part of your... Yeah. It's your legacy. Like many things will happen, but that's you're part of that legacy.
1: Yeah, I had an, and I knew someone in the one of the readings. Oh. And so I got to go see one of the very first readings, I think, which was in maybe even uh, January of um, 2014. And I was actually teching Rocky. So mm-hmm. I got to go to like the first presentation, I think at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I had to run from that presentation to, Attack rehearsal and some. I remember somebody asking me like, "What did you do?" You know, where were you this morning? I was like, "I just saw this reading. It was insane. Like, just like (laughs) like in shock, you know." And. I basically from there like was like somebody get me into this audition like and I asked you know this friend to get me in and um and I was like I was like harassing my agent about it I was just like this is happening this workshop is happening I had never worked with Andy I'd never worked with Tommy I'd never worked with Lynn so I didn't have Mm any connects to like the artistic team so I needed friends to vouch for me and say like you need to see her she's really good Right. And um, that's basically what happened. And I got into that audition room and I tore it to pieces as much as I could. I was like, I, this is my job. I want this so badly because I was fortunate enough to have seen it in some like form of like the idea, like the full idea of it. Like I was able to hear the music from beginning to end and sit in the seat and like really experience it. Um, and I think, you know, as actually has a similar story is, I think, Leslie um, Odom Jr., who saw it before me at some presentation he saw, and he describes the same thing where they, he's just like, I want this role, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it in a way, when I get a chance to go in the room, I'm going to have to make them not want to see anybody else do this. Right,
0: ever. right.
1: And that was, like, basically, yeah, I was like, I have to show up in this room in a way that is undeniable, and I did my damnedest. Okay.
0: (laughs) And what were, yeah, guess what? You did it. What (laughs) what did they ask you to do?
1: We did a version of Room Where It Happens and a version of Yorktown. And I say a version because I like, I think I remember one move from the audition that was still in Room Where It Happens. And I don't know any of the moves from uh, Yorktown that might've made it into the final, you know, draft of that show, of the show. So, um, but those are the two dance numbers that we did. You start with and an Andy Blankenbuehler and audition for any dancer coming up. It's just one of the most fun rooms to be in because it's such good, great dancers, great actors and storytellers. And I think that somehow more than any other audition room I've ever been in, it centers just like the the story and the joy of doing it in a way that you can sort of get out of your head about like, you know, I got to book this, I got to do this, I got to do this job, I need to impress this person, something happens. And the same thing happened with Fosse. It was just like, I mean, I don't even know, like, we were just like, sweating and crying and just so happy at the end of that audition, because it was just like, this is so much bigger than just like, a job. Like, I've gotten, I've been able to witness my friends performing at their at the top of their, you know, capability and to this incredible story. And we're all just chewing into this thing as much as we can. Um, so just so much fun. And then we sang, you know, as you typically do, they do a little cut, you get a call, you come back in, you sing a little bit, maybe you dance again. And then I think I had to learn, um, I had to learn helpless, satisfied and say no to this because everyone was going to be understudying and everyone in the ensemble. Yeah. Everyone in the ensemble from the get go, they were like, everyone's going to need to understudy. So they needed to know that you have the capability of doing that. Um, and, um, I think at that point, I had so much trouble learning the songs, one but because one because I can't sight read, but also because, well, I won't even blame it on this, but it should be known, it should be known, yes. little known fact, um, that the demos were all Lynn, were all Lynn singing. Uh-huh. Because there were no demos of Philippa or Renee or, you know, Jasmine. like Jasmine wouldn't join for another couple of months. So it was all like Lynn singing Say No to This and Lynn singing Satisfied and Lynn singing all of these songs. <laughs> and then you're learning it to like these click tracks and little plunks by Lack. So I just think now, you know, there's a whole instrumental Hamilton track like that yes. you can like sort of sing along to. Right but, um, when we were learning, I was just like, oh, dear. And I had, like, two days to do it. Like, I think we had, like, a day and a half, two days to learn all of that stuff. Um, but you but- did. Yeah, but I did. I mean, gosh, they asked us to bring tap shoes. I think we might have tapped at one point. Like, it's just one of those things that's in development. You just don't know. So it was, like, all the stops. I was like, it's literally, like, so you think you can Broadway. It's just all of it. <laughs> all of it.
0: So, how long do you think the audition process was like going back in and were oh, there fast. large gap? It was fast. It was because they were fast. starting.
1: Yeah, it was very fast. I, I mean, I think I went in on like a Tuesday and I knew by Friday. Oh I think the first God. call. Yeah. I think it was like a Tuesday. I do. Yeah. It was a Tuesday was like the first call danced all day. Went and did Rocky that night. Came and then I think I had like two shows the next day. That was the other thing I had to learn those three songs oh my o- God. while also doing like two. Sh- I had two shows at Rocky and a lot of that right. happens all the time. Like yeah. yeah, you're in a show, you're auditioning for a show, and then we went back on Thursday and sort of had another all-day audition. And then maybe I went back and sang on like Friday morning or something, or maybe mm-hmm. it was the same day. And by that, like by Friday, by the end of that week, I think we knew. Um, which is great because I was I was in a spiral after that. I was like, Oh my god, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I didn't sing this right, I didn't do this right. I was in a spiral. So thank God somebody called me and said, Sasha, we'd love for you to be a
0: part of this. Yeah, because you're like, Really? I have uncasted <laughs> okay. myself seventeen yes. times.
1: I was like, I have so many reasons why I'm not why I'm not gonna be a part yeah. of this. Yeah.
0: Um, so you do the workshop while you're still performing in Rocky.
1: Yeah, double duty. And I was actually in Rocky with Oak. We were doing it at the same time. So Oak and I were both uh, performing and rocking the musical and doing and rehearsing the Hamilton workshop in the afternoon.
0: And how long after that workshop did it end up at the public?
1: That workshop was in, let's see, maybe April, April, May. Yeah, I missed my sister's um, college graduation for that. Oh, man. Um, she is still was, so
0: mad. She is yeah, so mad no, at she, you.
1: She's not because she got all the tickets that she wanted to. to there you it. go. <laughs> so
0: nice. That's was, a good was, like, hey, well, reconciliation. Was, like, I'm
1: so sorry. I have to miss your like graduation. I think it was like a presentation day, too. Like, it was like I couldn't miss. And I was like, but I will make it up to you. And I think my sister has probably seen Hamilton more than a lot of people. Um, But she um, so I think that was in the spring of 2014. And then we went off Broadway. We started rehearsals in November of that same
0: year. Was Rocky still running and you had to leave or had Rocky closed?
1: Rocky closed. We closed. Rocky ran for a smooth six months. I had Mm -hmm. the best time there. I thought it was such a fun experience and such a great show. Yeah. We closed, I think in August. I had some time off. I think I went back into Motown for a little while. I, I, I was in there for like two or three weeks and I sort of had some time off. I had a vacation. It was just like a really nice like Like, the best thing is, like, when you have time off and you know you have a thing coming up.
0: Incredible.
1: And so I knew that I was starting that in November. I think we did, like, post-Thanksgiving or something. We started um, rehearsals. And so, um, yeah, I had, like, a little fall off and then started the rehearsals for the best show ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm sure, you know, there is so much time dedicated to the show. And there are so many ways in to talk about it. Mm -hmm. But maybe... Maybe if we just sort of do a stream of consciousness for a moment where you just sort of talk about, like, what are the memories? We all know what it is now. But when you were going into it, you knew how you felt when you saw that reading that morning, like, Mm -hmm. I have to be in it.
1: Mm -hmm. A lot of
0: people felt that way, but you actually got to be in it, Yeah, right? Um, So, yeah, like, just kind of talk about that.
1: Oh my goodness, yeah. So definitely visceral memories would be like not being able to sit still in my seat that morning um, and having to run away and thinking, I'm going to be late for my tech rehearsal because I have to finish this musical. Like, I have to see the end of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say in the audition, I remember talking to a friend of mine, Shanika Gooden, um, who actually ended up coming into the show later and doing some coverage. And she's an incredible performer, dancer. She did a lot of promo or or pre-pro, like pre-production, helping to choreograph some of the moments in the show. Yeah. Um, And I just remember having like a great, like lovely conversation and like time talking to her and the audition. And it's just Mm -hmm. nice when you meet people like that because you, again, like Andy's dancers are some of the best humans as well. And just like when you can be in a stressful situation, but have like a heart to heart and like a nice connection with a human um, is really cool. And um, what are some other things? Okay, Lipstick Fridays, Carly, Betty, all, and I during um, the off-Broadway run, I think during rehearsals, it's just like, you know, it gets long. Like we, I think we rehearsed probably for two months, I don't know, a very long time. And we started doing this thing called Lipstick Fridays where we would wear lipstick on Fridays. It's pretty self-explanatory. We would wear, like, really really bright colors, and we used to laugh at, like, how... And then all the girls started doing it, and we would laugh at, like, the reaction of the men in the room, like, to all these, like, beautiful, obviously beautiful women. Like They'd yes. just be like, something's different. Like, they couldn't really pick it out. But it huh. was just... <laughs> I wonder what it is. Yeah, but we were in bright pinks and reds, and actually the bright red lipstick became, like, a staple of the ensemble women's sort of, like, costume plot where uh-huh. we would wear bright red lipstick. But it started with, like we were wearing all this lipstick on Fridays and then we got to the makeup and the costume fittings and we were like, let's try red lipstick and see if anybody says anything. And I think Paul Teswell hopefully liked it, you know, cause it stuck. Um, oh, and then James Latus who is one of our, who's our stage manager off Broadway would do, these are all like fun stuff. Um, he would do what he calls um, wine and unwind. If you've ever worked with James Latus or if you've ever seen a show and seen his name listed, you rest assured that on Sundays or the day before the day off, he always makes a, like a baked good, like these delicious baked goods, like cheesecake brownies or like truffle something or whatever, like just like delicious, delicious desserts. And he'll bring in like some bottles of wine and everyone just has like a nice little like sort of wine down from the week, um, which I really, really love. Uh, the boots, like, I don't even know, like, oh God, I remember like coming home from off Broadway because we were working out all the costumes and the kinks on your own body. So we had to right. explain like these things work, things, these things don't. So, like the corsets downtown were much stiffer and harder than the corsets uptown. Because, but that was the first time they'd made them. And I guess they put boning in them and we were like, this is so hard and painful. And so yeah. like, once we got uptown, they were able to find like a new, you know, uh, like pattern for them that wasn't as restrictive. And I just remember my boots. I don't know if it was the stage we were on downtown or what, but I would like, my feet would swell up every single night. I had to start icing them just because I would come out of the boots. I would put like, you know, my shoes on to go home. And by the time I got home off the train or off the, off the bus, I would just like. I couldn't even get my own shoes off. Like it was just like so painful, Um, you know, (laughs) but uh, part of the process, but it it didn't happen out, you know, and and then again, we got Uptown. They fixed it. The boots were lighter and they were more pliable. And so all these things that you just have to figure out in those transitions. Right. right. Um, And then I guess like Uptown like would be, I I don't even know if this is what you asked, but you asked for a stream of consciousness. Yes, I I love it. Um, I really love the pizza place across the street from the Hamilton um, from the Richard Rogers and it's also next door to the Lunt where I did Motown and that pizza is so freaking good just get a pepperoni slice it's called Pizzeria. it's so freaking good and right now during COVID um, they have outdoor seating because (laughs) We it's could have done little, this there. We should have. It's just a little pizza place. It's one of those like, you know, just little hole in the wall pizza places. And I went by the other day with actually like with Nick Walker. We were sort of like doing like a little like social distance. Let's go get some pizza and hang out with some friends of ours. And um, they like they have like outdoor seating. I was like, you guys, you've leveled up. And they were like, yeah, we can do this because of people in cars. But right now they've got like a full like bistro going on. It's really cute.
0: When you are in the ensemble uh, and and you're sort of like, how are you handling, there are people kind of rocketing, right? And kind of skyrocketing into this, mm-hmm. like I've compared it, you know, I got to star in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown and watch the ascent of Kristen Chenoweth at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like we were this incredible ensemble, an incredible family, but there were also these other things happening at the same time that were undeniable. Do you have a way to talk about that? Sort of how did your company handle? You're such a tight knit family. You built this thing together. It really is a show where the ensemble and the principals, A, you described are you know, all the ensemble plays principal roles or covering these principal roles and going on. This show went on for a long time. You went on a lot in these other parts. But how yeah. do you how is that handled? How did you negotiate that? How did the, the higher up sort of make that okay for everybody? Or was that not even a thing?
1: You know, it is really hard. It is a hard thing. It's a hard thing to navigate as a performer, period, because that's what happens in anything. You yeah. Know? Like one day you're auditioning next to someone and the next day they're like all over your feet and they're on the red carpet and they're doing all these things. And you're wondering, like, how did that happen? Like, mm-hmm. how did you know, we go from sitting literally outside the same casting office to this person is a star. And, you know, I'm still in my like tiny, you know, apartment eating eating pizza from pizzeria, which is not a bad place to be, but, um,
0: right. Well, they do have outdoor seating now. So
1: yeah. And so like some people don't really appreciate that because they're doing their fancy stuff, but I'm just saying like, exactly. I'm fancy too. Nowadays. Yes. I, um, it is, it is, hard. Like we all, you know, we all have you scroll on the Instagram and like the thing is it's just a, it was a black hole as much as it is like, you know, this wonderful place where we all connect with each other and, and yeah. healthy, otherwise is lying. Like, yeah. so like, it's very hard, but it is something that you have to navigate in life and specifically in this business. And I think that like your, your sanity depends on it. But what I will say about one of the things that is so beautiful about the Hamilton company is yes. Like we have people who have skyrocketed and, and we have people who are, you know, I mean, everyone's doing pretty well. Like,
0: yeah,
1: but, but there's just so much mutual respect for in Mm -hmm. that room, for every single individual and what every single individual brings to the table that I think, and I won't, like, I will first and only, you know, almost only give credit to just whatever exists between us, because like, I can tell you that, like, just as much as I will brag to you about what an incredible, like, actress person, human Renee Elise Goldsberry is, she will go just as hard for literally anyone who like walked into the Richard Rogers as a part of the cast of Hamilton. She's yeah. in, like, And that goes for literally every single person. And what I will say and speak to is the character of the um, the principal cast. I mean, there's just, every, we all depended on each other, the nature of the show. And that also goes to Tommy and Lynn and um, Andy for knowing and la- knowing how important every person is. Lack, like every vocal, like it doesn't matter if you're singing that, ooh, he's coming, he's listening to your line and he wants you to get it right. Like he's going to, he's yes. going to come through, like you're important. Every single person is important. Um, we just talked to Tommy Kale on Chaos Twins about this thing of just, like, the idea of a team, and everybody is there, and everybody who contributes, even though they might not be the person who's out front, like, that everyone is valuable. There was a day that we did, I think, like, maybe one of the first days, one of the very first days that we did Room Where It Happens, and we were on the stage, or, like, and and um, the our principal cast in Room Where It Happens is along the the upper level. There's, like, the, sort of the balcony-tiered level. right. And they're up there on what we call the surround. And during rehearsals, you know, you don't have those two levels. So most people, they're just standing on the sides. But once they got up to that level and we, I remember running through a room where it happens and I don't know, it was somebody from the upper surround, everybody, the whole cast, like the whole principal cast was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys are killing it. Yes, they're like they're I haven't seen this number like this. You guys are incredible. And I mean, they gave us like a round of applause, like just fed all that love back to the ensemble. And I just think that that is like knowing that this is a business where truly life is not fair. Everybody's not going to get a cookie. And at the end of the day, like you have to love what you do, do it with integrity. And hopefully you get to do it with people who kick ass and that like you get to reach like the highest heights with those people. And you can do that on like the, you know, the biggest screen and you can do that in the tiniest black box. And you just have to maintain your sanity by knowing, like, this is why you chose to do what you do, and you need to appreciate the people that you are with. Because if you can't appreciate them in those situations, in those small situations when no one's looking, like, you're going to be miserable when you get there. And there, are, you know, when you get to a higher height, and I just think um, the the integrity, the, the artistic integrity, and respect that exists within that, that especially that OBC, that cast, what we got to witness each other do and come up with, and you know, materialize, I think is just like you can't touch it. It's just like, whatever. Like, I, like, yeah, every, you know, everybody's everywhere and some days suck and some days are great and you have your victories and small victories and life is long and it's short at the same time. But I got to do something really cool with a dope group of people. And like, I'm going to be grateful for that rather than, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, wish, you know, why does somebody get this and I don't? It's just a well, loop. what I
0: thought was so incredible is when you watch the film, the yeah. Hamill film, yeah. like, you really, I mean, that everyone on the planet literally got to see, I, I don't think there's ever been a, a cast that more defines ensemble on every yeah. level yeah. and and to see it and to sort of get to see it in close up and to mm-hmm. understand what you guys did and how the story only could be propelled forward by your, it's exactly how you described how you tell stories from the time you were little with your body. in this incredible way. And to watch you, I mean, there, you know, spoiler alert guys, this is audio, but Sasha is one of the most beautiful humans on the planet. Like you're so stunningly beautiful (laughs) and breathtaking and that, you know, I will thank all of your DNA. (laughs) Um, This isn't to embarrass you. This is a fact and there's nothing you can do about it. It is undeniable. But the idea that like someone who looks like you can dance like you. And then like, not just dance and sing, but tell a story in this like singular, beautiful way. And then I'm curious, like the first time, and and just be the master of that, like the true master of that with elegance and passion. And it, truly, like, I don't have enough Oh, words to I put liked. in a sentence. Thank
1: you so much.
0: Just <laughs> extraordinary. What who did you go on when you when you weren't doing that one night and you were asked to do a different role in the show? What was what was it? Who did you go on as for the first time?
1: Um in that show I understudied um Peggy Mariah. So I understudied Jasmine, Cephas Jones. Okay. Was, I mean, so you only Jasmine
0: you Cephas only covered Jones. that role. It wasn't too yes. and Marie okay Yes. So, so what was it like the first time you went on? Did you know it was going to happen or it was one of, was it one of those calls? Like you've got to get here.
1: Yeah. I, I knew that was happening. My, because we also had, so once we got to Broadway, they actually hired more covers. Um, okay. Because things were so physically demanding that actually like, you know, people would get hurt or people would just like, you just would say, I don't have it. And it's really, Hamilton yeah. is one of those shows that if you were you like tired, you, yeah.
0: you gotta stay
1: home. And it just, everybody's leaning on everyone and you actually do a better, you do a better service to everyone if you take the night off or take the show off and then come back, you know, when you can be fully present because it's just such a heavy lift for literally everyone. And so we had two other covers, but then luckily and thankfully, yeah, later on during the run, during the Broadway run, I was able to go on. um, And I got to go on a couple of times, um, a fair amount. And uh, it was, yeah, it was excellent. It was just great to see the show from a different perspective, like myself, and then be able to sort of embody a different show. And that was my first time going on for a principal role in a Broadway show as well. So it just was like a lot of firsts for me. And it was like the next challenge, like, Hamilton in itself was sort of the challenge that I would like, the ultimate challenge I would ask for in like a musical experience, but then being able to go on for that principal role was amazing. I'll tell you where the surprises came in, and that was during
0: Oklahoma. (laughs) Those were surprises. That's what I wanted to ask you you about, because you were both Lori and Annie and... yeah, Ado Annie. Ado Annie and the dancer. Yeah, Just crazy. Crazy that all of that was in your head. I don't even understand. Like, you're a human... And all of that was going on. Um, so talk about that, that incredible, another incredible history making show that like turned everything we thought we knew about theater mm. completely on its head.
1: Very, 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 very. And you know, it was, an, it was that impactful when it, in 1943, it was that impactful mm-hmm. then. And so then to be a part of sort of like, you know, a reenvisioning of it now towards to have the same sort of effect of like letting us take apart like how we see ourselves and how we see our country and how we see our history it was really, really special. Just to I, I, li- I love I mean obviously I think that's just like theater at its best. Whether you like it or not, like just attempting to even do that and create those kinds of conversations and generate that kind of thought is just like theater at its mwah. um but yeah, <laughs> I I understudied you know, all those roles and oh my God. I never I never went on for the dream ballet, but I made my I I, I had to request that I could rehearse it every Friday because it was a 13-minute contemporary dance piece. And I basically had to look at my stage manager, and the dance captain. And I was like, if I don't rehearse this every Friday, i if I have to go on in an emergency, I will never be able to get through it. Yeah. And so I made them give me, they gave me like a half an hour every Friday to run through the thing and learn it and and get through it. Um but thankfully another beautiful our dance captain, um, Demita. Hopkins Green was, uh, she was our dance captain and she um, thankfully was the, she became, she took over for matinees and would be like sort of the first go-to for it. Um, but I did, I was on for 80 Annie. I think we opened on a Sunday and I went on by that Saturday with no rehearsal. No, oh my God. like no, nothing. Shot
0: I, out of a cannon.
1: Shot out of a cannon. Oh Allie Stroker, uh, just incredible, phenomenal, Tony award-winning Allie Stroker. Um, she lost her voice you know about it happens yeah it happens and there was no explanation sometimes you're, your voice sometimes is the first thing to go when you're exhausted and I think your, our brains are and our bodies are a lot smarter than we think they are and I think her body wanted a rest and it was like well the only way to shut her down is the voice yes <laughs> yes she was out for like I think a weekend maybe or, or a day or two she was out for a couple of shows Um, but I went on for the first time having had no rehearsal but I had sort of done my own homework and I think being a dancer sort of helps with the spatial awareness and blocking element Mm -hmm. of things. And so since I knew that and I was like, I just got to say all the right words and sing all the right lines and just get through this thing. Um, But I was really excited about it and I had been really preparing for it. And and then later on, I ended up going on a lot for Lori actually took over for the role. Um, I took over matinees as Ado Annie. I took over for the Lori role. Um, I went on mid-show as Lori once because um, Rebecca had been flying back and forth, Rebecca Naomi Jones. She had been flying back and forth because she was also filming... Um, something in Atlanta. She was filming uh, the Aretha Franklin that Genius series with um, Cynthia Erivo. Yes, yes. She was part of that. And so she was. I mean, she's just Superwoman, like flying back and forth, literally, um, from Atlanta to to New York, trying to make her shows, but also make her filming dates. And again, you know, the body can only take so much. And halfway through the show, I got an announcement that I was going on for the end of Act One, um, which is just fun and and wild all at the same time. But yeah, Whoa. that was probably the one where. I got, and again, it was a hard show. It's one of those ensemble shows. Everyone is very much a part of what's going on on stage. Yeah. And everyone's pretty much present on stage for the whole show. And that in itself, regardless of if you're like lifting chairs and take, you know, throwing around muskets and stuff, like, right. like it's just exhausting to have you, cause you have to be present for the people that you're on stage with. And I think it does, it creates a special bond clearly, as I've talked about with, with, um, you know, with Hamilton. And I saw that same bond existed with the cast of Oklahoma. Um, but I think that like, it, it takes a toll. And even when you're just, mm-hmm. you know, when you're sitting there and you're witnessing and you're having to be present for people. And so I think the exhaustion would catch up on, it would catch up with people by surprise. And then all yeah. of a sudden you'd be on just like that. So that was the, that was my crazier run is, of being, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. It was like two different shows. Like, uh, Annie and Lori live in like completely different worlds. And I show. know.
0: Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, Well, I mean, I look at sort of, first of all, even in just this conversation, the three shows we've really talked about, Rocky and Hamilton and and Oklahoma, it sounds like they were really glorious experiences, like oh, across, you know. And not everybody feels that way, mm-hmm. and I'm just so happy for you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I've you had know? just incredible. I mean, Motown was legendary. Like it was, yes. real. The show was crazy. It was huge. It was so much yeah. going on. There was so much. Memphis too. Memphis was my Broadway debut. I actually saw, it. like, I saw that. I saw it when I was on a trip to New York my junior year of college, and it scared the shit out of me because I was like oh my gosh like I want to do this and I can Mm -hmm. and I can do this show And it just, my dream, like my dream scared me. Realizing that it was possible actually scared me. And then you're in it. And then I literally like got to the place of just like, I auditioned. I knew what, I was like, I got to figure out what I'm going to sing when I get there. I got to figure out what I'm going to (laughs) wear. Embraceable you. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to (laughs) be caught with an inappropriate song again. I learned that lesson. I got through once, fool me once, but they're not going to let me fool them again. That's right. I got my Motown song together for like a Memphis, my 50, you know, I got my stuff together for those shows and yeah, lo and behold, a spot opened up and I popped in there and, um, I was a swing actually. So I do have a little bit of like experience, like swinging between roles and And that show. I I understudied like eight tracks.
0: Um, Right. So your brain can do that.
1: It can, it can, if, when necessary, it will, it will, uh, it can.
0: It's <laughs> incredible. I want to, I know, you know, today you're going to be doing uh, an episode of chaos yeah. twins, which is your, your chat show with Nick yeah. Walker. Um, I just want, before I let you go, I just want to talk about it because I have to tell you what sort of beacons of hope and light and education you and Nick have been for me Um you know, sort of, I see the world. First, we had the pandemic and then we had George Floyd in terms of this awakening, this kind of global awakening um, where we have just been um, trying so hard to come together as a community. And I have been looking so much for people to turn to and to learn from. And the generosity, Sasha, that you have shown others right now, um, in sharing so much of yourself and your story and your wisdom and your humor. Um, (laughs) you're so fast, your brain works and that you and your friend, Nick have found a way to share your intimate friendship with the rest of us is also so generous. Um, I just really wanted to thank you because I looked forward to those IG lives so much because I knew that, um, my my brain and my heart would just be so full of your wisdom and your kindness and the idea that now it's a show that more people can share and find and that Broadway World was, you know, so smart and
1: mm-hmm. and figured
0: out that it was something just of such value. Anyway, thank you for thank that.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that recognition. I, I definitely do. It's a very special space. Nick is a very special friend and mm-hmm. um just the, com- I, I'm thankful for him and the ability to float between these very like serious things and just the absurdness of our of our friendship. Um, Nick is the person who will ask, you know, how's your heart doing? And then 10 minutes later, you'll be like, you know, doing some wild skit about, you know, West Wing characters. So right. we just we have a good time and it's been a nice space to have. And I think it's, you know, it's tough, it's hard. And I think like, you know, I, I appreciate the recognition of the the, the grace and like the compassion that, you know, we're able to have with each other and with other people, because I think it's just tough and these things come at a cost and we're just trying to find, you know, we're trying to find a way forward and talk about the hard things and talk about the difficult things. And then also laugh you know, just find spaces to just sort of lap panic, laugh about the chaos of it all. Yeah. Like truly, yeah. truly. Um, but, but you know, sh- surely something to the, to the effect that, you know, our friends are the people that we have to cling to and look to to kind of navigate through these things. And if Nick and I can do that together on a Broadway world, you know, platform, like hell, we'll do it. <laughs> like we're just like, thank God, and you know, and thank you. I'm so glad for him as my friend. And we're so thankful for the platform that we've been given and just to be able to share it. And it seems like people are really, you know, find it engaging. And it's it's been a really special and important place for me personally. And I'm glad that other people are getting you know, some positivity and some, some some constructive sort of influence, I guess, out of
0: it. 100%. I mean, you're also just so smart. Like you, you talked about your passion for education and learning and research and deep diving and mm-hmm. all of those skills um, that your family and your sister commented, like you can fall back on, <laughs> yeah. uh, have absolutely been the things that you are falling back on right now. And I know for myself, having, you know, being able to create your own work is, an incredible thing we don't Mm. know when we're going back to work and you know I'm just I'm really proud of you I just want to say I am so (laughs) proud of you and it's such an inspiration um before I let you go do it and then I get to go watch it at four o'clock on Wednesdays (laughs) on Broadway World um is there a little known fact about you that you can share
1: oh my goodness a little known fact Okay. I've, I've almost shared a couple of them. I'll talk about little known fact is that I've talked about my family a lot and where I'm from. And um, I my family, my grandfather and my father actually grew up with little, my grandfather actually grew up with little Richard. Um, I was very good friends with him. Little Richard, like so much as like he would, before he passed years ago, he drove up into one of my aunts uh, who still lives in the house that they grew up in when she was younger in Macon, drove up to the driveway just to check in on her and her sisters and see how, like, the family was doing. Um, so we're very, like, close with a lot of, like, black music history down in Macon. My family also grew up with little um, with Otis Redding, and um, we're very close with, like, their... Well, Carla Redding, his daughter, who runs a foundation down there. So... Um, and I guess also a little-known fact, like, a couple. My family on my dad's side owns the one of the first black-owned funeral homes in Macon, Georgia. Um, yeah,
0: is it still running?
1: Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah, What's it
0: called? In case I know anyone who dies in that area, <laughs> right? Hutchings, <laughs> Hutchings Funeral Home. Wow.
1: Funeral Home. My aunts, my father's sisters—they still run it. It's been owned, um, family owned for I think at least four generations now. Oh my
0: god! Wait, and did I you grow like... up hanging out in the funeral home and sort of okay, watching so not, the process?
1: Thank God, not as much as okay. my father actually did because okay. my family wasn't. Act- so my dad is a doctor; he actually owns um, his a family practice, which is like you know from uh, from birth to death. Um, but uh, <laughs> they, they, wow. Um, but I, I do remember like running through the funeral home a little bit and sort of seeing like a body in a casket and being like, wait a minute. Uh, what is that? Uh, we is weren't weird. there as much. Yeah. okay but I have a guy who lives in my building who, uh, he's a maintenance person in my building. And we found out we're from, he's, his family is from Macon, Georgia. His dad lives in, in the building as well. And his dad grew up with my grandfather and knew who he was. And every time I see this um, this guy, he's always just like, my family. my mom always said, don't bury me up here. Do you take me to the Hutchings? You take me to the Hutchings.
0: How <laughs> wild that in New York City, in Harlem, there's yes. that connection.
1: So special. It's so so special. beautiful. Yeah, I love running into him in my like apartment. Yes, it's so and special. just for
0: someone to like know, like mm-hmm. they can see it in their minds the way you're seeing it in your yes. mind. It's such a connector in that way. Yes. All right, Sasha Hutchings, I cannot wait to see what show you are in on the other side of this when we're all vaccinated and safe to work together and watch you. Um, you are just a treasure and I am so grateful that you shared this time with me today. I cannot thank you enough. You're just thank you so much. such a beautiful soul. You're welcome.
1: It's been so wonderful. Thank you for having me. This is such a beautiful space. Clouds
0: can make the wind blow. Little Known Facts is edited by Nicholas Klar and recorded in New York City.